Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you. It's been a great week. Hope you've enjoyed the extended version, 1230 to 3 every day here on KSL News Radio. And the perfect way to wrap up any week, uh, and the way I always look for my email on a Friday, is to see what in the world Megan McArdle has written for me. Uh, Megan is one of the uh, great syndicated columnists with the Washington Post. We feature her columns on DeseretNews.com and in the pages of the Deseret News. And uh, Megan has graciously in, uh, dis- contributed and, and uh, acquiesced to a Friday, late Friday Eastern time uh, joining us on the show. Megan, thanks so much for being on with us today. Always happy to be here. <laughs> All right. So I, I just want you to lead us into this column. I thought this was your writing is genius always, but this was particularly poignant, I think, given where we are this week. <laughs> well, in, so in March, I went to England to cover Brexit, which then, of course, didn't happen. But um, for an American, it's a quite familiar feeling to be in a country where politics is just completely melting down and no one really knows what to do. Um, and so I, I noted the parallels then, but one parallel I really noted uh, later when I got back was that while I was in London, a lot of people said to me, you know, if Jeremy Corbyn, who is the head of the Labor Party and is a kind of unreconstructed 70s radical, if he weren't the head of the Labor Party, then the conservatives would already be out of power and all of this would be moot. But the fact is, a lot of MPs who might otherwise have joined a vote of no confidence against uh, Theresa May, and they, they did hold a few, but she kept surviving them. Um, people who might otherwise have joined that sort of looked at Corbyn and said, wow, that's even worse. That's than scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and so, you know, one thing that I've noticed is that as the Democratic primaries have started up, we're having a kind of similar conversation in the United States, where a lot of never-Trump conservatives... Um, and also center-left people are looking at what the Democratic Party is doing in terms of running extremely far to the left of where Clinton was in 2016. And, and Clinton, by the way, was far to the left of where her party had been in previous elections. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're saying, like, guys, you're going to make the same mistake. We need to get Trump out. And what you're doing is nominating people who cannot possibly, you know, they're going to chase the center into the arms of Donald Trump because those people are going to look at Trump and say, look, the things he says are terrible, his impulsiveness, the way he's, you know, tearing up our alliances abroad, the way he is dividing us at home. Um, People who otherwise would say, you know, I want to vote for his opponent are going to look if his opponent is saying, well, we're going to abolish private health insurance and jack taxes up and, and all the rest of it, then they're going to look at their self-interest and look at how bad Trump is and pick their self-interest. So don't do this. Yeah. Um, uh, and so that parallel really struck me. I, um, I think that's just such a fascinating thing. If you're just joining us, we've got Megan McArdle, uh, syndicated columnist from the Washington Post with us and uh, just a, a brilliant piece uh, for a Friday on 
really these incredible parallels. Uh, we always talk about the special relationship between the United States uh, and Great Britain, and this is just one more area where we, we really seem to be we're, – we're sort of on uh, a polar connectedness on this, opposite sides of the same coin. Yes, indeed. I mean, I th- and I think that what's going on in the U.S., you know, and this is why in a lot of ways all U.S.-centric explanations of what's happening to our politics right now, they just fall short. And so, you know, one thing that I've seen over the last three years is both Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives blaming each other for the point we've come to. But if you actually look at what's happening in our politics, it's paralleled by what's happening in lots of countries all over the world. You have had the, the center parties that have been alternating in power mm. are just being deeply challenged by new currents that are coming up. And it is fractious and often ugly. Um, and we need to find some way back to some kind of consensus government uh, where, where the government can actually govern, which it really kind of hasn't done since the Bush administration. Yeah, that, that is an interesting. very early days of Obama. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, but I think early days of Obama and uh, Bush administration, I think, were the last times we really had that kind of ability to actually govern and, and move things forward in a, a little more thoughtful way. We're, and we're always going to have politics. And I think it's great that we can argue about, you know, specific policy plans and, and how that shapes up. Uh, but as you look at this rolling forward, uh, obviously either uh, one side's going to prove to be true on this. <laughs> either Great Britain or the United States, one of these models is, is going to crack. Uh, how do you see it rolling forward? Uh, that's a really tough call. You know, every time one side looks like, I, I look at one side and I think, God, that is so bad that that couldn't possibly uh they could possibly win the other side is like hold my beer (laughs) watch this (laughs) um you know so it it really is kind of hard to see who is actually going to take this election with trump going out and having his rallies chanting send her back about a naturalized u.s citizen um, and at the same time you know you have the the democrats racing each other to see what you know what new taxes they can promise to impose what new major component of the u.s economy they can promise to nationalize or totally make over um i think that it is going to be really interesting to see where the american public falls on that um but not i think for me at least i'm a centrist um i think it is not going to be for me happy to think about what is happening to my country yeah and i and i still believe with, with all the divisiveness that we hear and that we see in the national media in particular uh, i still believe that the vast majority of the country is center left center right somewhere in that space people living their lives raising their families working hard uh, trying to make a difference in their community uh and that's what we've got to get back to but we seem to be allowing or empowering uh, the extreme left and the extreme right uh, to drive the narrative and ultimately control the governing and the conversation. Yes, and I think that that is really the the story of the last three to five years, is watching both parties run towards their fringes. Um, And I think there are a lot of reasons for that, and some of them, sadly, are really good government reforms that we did in the, the 70s. Mm. Things like primaries have actually, over time, they have made it so that people are more afraid of getting primaried in their districts. Another big part of this is that we have geographically sorted politically. And so, you know, a lot of congressmen um, are in districts where they couldn't possibly lose. And so the real election is in the primary. 
Um, there's also things like campaign finance reform that have, again, it's not that this sounds bad or I necessarily think it was a terrible idea, um, but it's really gutted the power of the parties that used to control these factions by saying, look, if you want funding to run your race, if you want our help, you are going to have to to move towards the center and let us move as a party rather than as you individual. Um, and since all of that has evaporated, and even things like getting rid of pork barrel politics, getting rid of earmarks, right, sounds great. It turns out that that was a major way that, that the leadership in Congress disciplined their members to not run on these extreme platforms, um, to catering to this quite small portion of the base in their district. And so all of these things are, are unfortunately all kind of culminating um, in a in more and more radical politics. But as I say, I also think that there is a global element of this that mm-hmm. has to do probably somewhat with the financial crisis yes. and somewhat with rising levels of immigration across the world that have made um, ethnic majorities in the countries feel really uncomfortable and an inability of the governments to deal with that in a kind of consensus-crafting way. Instead, they kind of just said, no, you can't say that. Right. Um, and so I think there's a lot of things that we have to work out um, but it's got to start with someone saying, no, we're running for the center because there are still a lot of centrist voters in this country. Um, and the object is not just to torture them into voting for one side or the other, <laughs> right. to actually get them excited and committed um, to the vision that candidates are offering for America. Fantastic. Uh, as always, uh, Megan McArdle, a syndicated columnist for The Washington Post. Megan, thanks so much for joining us late on your Friday. We uh, always oh, appreciate your writing and uh, your insight. Thanks for having me. Happy Friday. All right. Very good. Megan McArdle, uh, always great to have her with us here on Inside Sources. And uh, as we wrap up our uh, Friday here uh, for our, our great texters, we continue to have things pour in about we can put a man on the moon, but... Uh, we've had a few more come in here. Uh, let me sneak a few in before we pass the baton over to the great Jeff Kaplan. We can put a man on the moon, but we cannot elect an honest politician. Uh, so that fits in with our Megan McCardle McCar- uh, discussion. And then finally, we can put a man on the moon, but we cannot put diaper changing tables in men rest- men's restrooms. Oh. <laughs> How do you feel about that one, Jay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you have it. Well, I hope you have uh, enjoyed the extended version of Inside Sources uh, for our first week here. We're going to continue this for uh, into August. And uh, we're enjoying it. I hope uh, I know Jay just loves the fact that he gets to see me before he starts at we're, three o'clock. It's nice to see you. <laughs> so, how did the show feel today? Show felt great today. We had awesome. We had awesome guests, Jeff, and uh, uh, just a, a wide range of folks and some really fun conversations. So, some stimulating stuff from out in the hall. Always, always from out in the hall. So, you, as always, you deserve a weekend in Detroit. I'm going to go to Detroit. We'll see all of you. Hear all of you back on Monday. This is Boyd Matheson. I am the opinion editor at the Deseret News, and it is great to be with you on KSL News Radio. And as you go out today and into your weekend, remember see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that Live makes a difference. Breaking news now on the